0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money & Investing show. This week we are tackling the rather difficult and thorny subject of industry super risks. Much is said about them being set up in the benefit of their members, which may well be true on some levels, but there's plenty more to discuss in there as you'll see in this show. Look forward to seeing you on the other side. You guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. Thank you, Mr. Baxter, for having me
1: on the show. To jump straight into things, we're going to talk about something that you absolutely hate. It starts with R and it rhymes with risk and it's called RISK. Mm. Nonetheless, it's going to be applied to industry super fund risk. Sensitive topic. Nonetheless, let's break it down.
0: It's an interesting one, isn't it? And in the past, and I think we still may run it in social, we've run campaigns about, you know, how self-managed super can reduce your risk, and people will talk, uh, you know, they're almost brainwashed into my industry super did this or that so it is it's a huge huge and very very emotive subject but when we look at it through perhaps some more uh unemotional and objective lenses um sometimes what you think something is versus what it is can be very very different
1: expectations versus reality and we see this across the board in financial markets a lot of the time how would you apply it to industry
0: super okay is it a diamond or is it a uh, fugazi could be either. Indeed. So Industry Super is an interesting one. I mean, obviously it's a juggernaut of an industry and it plays a very, very, very important part uh, of the financial world. And I think as a, an overarching caveat on this. Any form of investing is better than no investing. Let's use that as a ground zero. And the fact that Industry Super provides a catch-all for people uh, to make sure that they have a contribution toward their retirement, I think is something that's extremely important. And on that basis, it's a tick. However, one of the things that we do see uh, from people is the belief, uh, and maybe it's that the, 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 perhaps the marketing or, or, or the loyalty within there, um, that perhaps industry super is the best vehicle that's there to best serve its members' interests. And there's plenty going on in the environment um, from a risk perspective uh, that would suggest that could be a problem. If you take CBUS, which is, for example, the super in the, uh, in the construction sector, the investment in uh, construction projects by a super fund that represents people that work in those projects is not only a conflict of interest, but it's probably risk on uh, in that, um, you know, if there's a substantial downturn in, in property or property development and construction, that can affect the members by them losing their job. Also, it can affect the performance of their investments too. And we've seen a couple of fairly large, uh, large-scale Uh, construction companies go under over recent months, uh, and they have had investment from CBUS, for example, as as, as part of their asset base. It's
1: a good example to kick us off, and if we split up risks with industry super funds into two categories, A, B, let's say regulatory Mm. uh, and performance risk. Mm. Let's break down each of those, and if we start with regulatory risks, what would the first thing to come to your mind be?
0: Probably the most recent one, um, and again, I go back to this notion that industry super is all about serving its members' best interest. And it's the overarching um, rule, I suppose, uh, within finance is always look after your client's best interest. If we take, say, Host Plus, for example, where they've just introduced a new fee levy for their members, and the purpose for this fee levy, and this, this beggars belief, uh, is to raise $54 million to be set aside in anticipation of any future fines against the super provider and its director for any misconduct uh, within the market or, really? or regulator issue. Yeah,
1: That's crazy. So they're taxing so, their clients to mm-hmm. save up
0: money in case they do the wrong thing? Pretty much. If you want to put it in those terms, yes. Uh, and, and the reason this has come about, there's been you know, various changes in the CIS Act and different uh, uh, legal areas, but one of them is called session fi- Section 56 Amendment. And a super fund can't use member money, as in the investment funds, to pay fines. And what that then means is if the if the super provider doesn't have sufficient capital reserves, it runs the risk, of course, of being insolvent, which you know, from a financial markets or financial services perspective is the most heinous crime, You know, trading whilst insolvent. So instead, yeah, they're going to their members and they're going to raise a levy of uh, $54 million from their members in case they break the rules as the manager of that money. It is just extraordinary. And once that capital is raised, that that fee then stops? Is that correct? At this point in time, yeah, I'm sure they'll go back and top that up over time as perhaps fines may increase or to keep it in line with inflation, which is running pretty hard. But yeah, nonetheless, yeah, let's let's just basically add in a new fee, tax our members because we act in our members' best interest just in case we get fined for doing something wrong down the line.
1: Sort of a bad capital raising exercise, but probably not the greatest in terms of super fund.
0: Yeah, um, you look at the compliance risk on that and maybe as a director of it, your obligation is to make sure you don't transgress the, the rules uh, of financial markets and thereby not get fined.
1: Totally. Any other regulatory risks you see with industry super funds at
0: the moment? The, the issue of having to go back to clients and demonstrate performance and underperformance, I think, is a massive breakthrough. And obviously, the government have legislated for that, where if you're a superannuation fund you ha- and you've underperformed your benchmark, um, then you do have to go to your investors and say, look, we suck at what we do. We've had a pretty bad year. Uh, or maybe it might be sustained over several years. So if you wanted to leave us, we'd totally understand. That, I think, is a huge breakthrough because, again, with those default industry supers, and I started the broadcast by saying they play a very, very important important role in in, in financial markets and people's well-being, but it can also be like a lazy asset allocation decision. We go, I can't be bothered to go through all of the paperwork and everything that may be involved to change my super provider, so I'll just leave it there. When you get that letter and it says, look, we're actually doing a really poor job of managing your money for your retirement, given the fees that we've charged you, if you want to move somewhere else, you can. yeah, that 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 in itself, I think, is a huge breakthrough. And in fact, when that first research report came out, I think it was something like the nine or eleven super funds. We did a podcast under, on yeah underperform their benchmark, and the benchmark wasn't the market Very, because their yeah. performance targets were actually below market performance anyway. So really quite staggering. But you know, let's not beat them up. There is a role that they play. But that notion of charging um, your members in case your directors and the people operating the fund. Transgress and break the rules and incur a regulatory fine. You can then use that money to pay for it. Is just incredible, crazy. So to, to dive a little bit more into
1: performance, mm. in particular, AB talk about some uh, funds underperforming the benchmark. I guess what you're doing is when you allocate money to your super, uh, is that someone else has control over your financial well-being when it gets to retirement? Mm. What kind of performance would you expect, and what results are we getting across the board, broad strokes here? Look,
0: we're in a trickier market than we have been for a few years. And 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 again, you know, we see a lot of posts uh, on our social, you know, my super has done really well over the last couple of years. Well, it should have. The market's been bottom left to top right chart. That's the time that is relatively easy to make money. And so your super fund should have done very, very well through that time frame. And we alluded to this at the start of the year with a Outlook for 2022 that we expected 2022 to be a significantly more volatile year. It's not going to be a trending market. It's going to be a very choppy market. Uh, And as such, I'd suspect that a lot of those people that last year were pleased with the performance of their super, if they've looked, say, over the last quarter, as an example, will be fairly disappointed to see the money that's been given back. And look, superannuation is a long term game. You don't look at day by day trading performance uh, on something that perhaps is a retirement horizon of 30 or 40 years time for a lot of people. So it's easy to sort of not get caught up in the data. Day or fairly short term price moves or, or performance moves on your fund. However, it is something that you really should be looking at. And one of the things that we encourage all of our clients to do is that money date each month where you evaluate the performance of how your money is working for you. You know, whether you've got your mortgage chip down, whether if you've bought shares, they've gone up, uh, how your investments have performed, your super managed fund. Have a look at that constant review and compare to what you would expect. And there's nothing wrong with having a bad few months or even a bad quarter or even a bad six months from time to time. But when it becomes sustained and it's continually underperforming. And I think it was it was at the Siemens or Maritime was one of the pension funds that have did it you know fairly significantly underperform the benchmark. You know, you've got to say, well, how long before you cut it and put your money somewhere else? Uh, and you know, this quarter has certainly been a challenging one, I would think, for for a lot of the big guys. Um, and 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 the interesting thing because of the mandate for superannuation money, and I know there's some you know my time in in the UK tends to be very slow-moving, buy-and-hold core assets without that much activity uh, within the fund. Um, And and that's very much the premise, because the time horizon is a 10-, 20-, 30-, 40-year time horizon that you're working to. That can be very, very expensive in, in, in the current market conditions. And if we take, for example, the, um, the the volatility that we're seeing in markets as a consequence of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, you know, our government has come out and said, like, if you're a funds manager, you have no business in holding assets in Russia. You know, There's sanctions. It's time to liquidate, reduce those positions. And there have been companies like Aware Super, um, Rest, CBUS have all liquidated their um, you know, Russian exposure, and rightly so. One of the laggards in there that have yet to move as we're recording this, and that may change over the next few days, maybe it won't, um, is, is, is a, um Australian super. Uh, an Australian super, look, it's huge. It's the biggest super fund in Australia, $245 billion. And they had about $300 million or so of exposure to Russia. And that portfolio would be worth a lot less. Now I think, you know, one of their holdings is down 137 million. Now, when you manage 245 billion, you know, 137 million is 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 tuppence hate It's not a lot of money. But if you're salary sacrificing or contributing 10% of your income to your super each and every year, 137 million is a lot of money because it's your money that you've worked hard for and needs to be put to work, and and so they've got a holding in uh, Sparebank, which is the largest bank in Russia, Uh, and and effectively it's it's worth a penny. It's it's down 95% or so now, Uh, and the 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 question for Australian Super is: look, our mandate has to be to operate in our members' best interests. So forcing us to sell something that's now worthless is going to crystallise this. Two 300000000 million loss on their book, which will affect the performance of people's super. Now, on the moral side, you shouldn't be in Russia, but on the commercial side, you're kind of having to get out after the horse is bolted, which then, of course, bodes the question that share price didn't drop in one day. It's actually been drifting down. It's down 90% since the start of the year. actually dropped 75% on Wednesday last week. So there was plenty of time to close that position, but there's no reason to, because from a, from a sector perspective, industries, more money coming in, it's a 40-year mandate, doesn't really matter too much. And that's not to say the investment managers don't take a fiduciary duty and, uh, and an active pride in what they're doing, but it's very, very slow moving. And you've got to ask yourself, well, how are you still holding what was $137 million worth of shares in a company that's about to implode? Regulatory risk, performance risk being two huge ones there, AB mm-hmm. couldn't agree more. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, for, for, for your average person, where do you then go, self-managed super being another optional retail super fund? So out of those two, which do you prefer mm-hmm. and what are the pros and cons?
0: Yeah, That's a that's, a, that's a, a a big and very, very broad question. And I do think when you hear these sorts of things and, you know, there'll be p- people listening to this go, oh, my super has gone all right. Go, go and actually have a look and see what it actually has done. And, and some of them have done very well, don't get me wrong. Um, who, the primary question you gotta ask yourself, who's got the most vested interest in your financial future? And it has to be you. You're the person that's working, it's your money, it's your retirement, your savings going into it, your employer's contribution going into it. So you've got a genuine, robust, vested interest in making sure you get the very best of that. And the trade off is okay, that's easy to leave it in a default industry super. I could do a little bit of paperwork and and, and maybe be a bit more active in what I do and and get involved with the management of it. And then you come down to those two areas. Is it self-managed super or do you go into a retail super? Retail super, I think, typically um, is probably a little bit more keenly managed um in terms of it's more of a competitive market space as opposed to being a default, it's somewhere that people choose to go as opposed to it's your default to go. So by its very nature um, you know it's more Darwinian. so you know you've got uh, more aggression in terms of performance and and a requirement to, to perform. Secondly, it's not that complex. You know, Talk to your financial planner. We can certainly assist with that. Work out what your risk profile is. You know, And these things all sound like big jobs, and they're actually very, very straightforward. It's a simple questionnaire. It'll assess your level of risk. And then you can pick a, a retail fund to divert your money into. You can roll your position out from your, your industry super and put it into something that maybe might perform a little bit better for you. More importantly, though, you've got more control over it because you can switch between retail funds. And depending on the financial advisor or platform you're using, you don't have to pay switching fees, all that sort of stuff. So it doesn't have to be an expensive exercise. That's something that's probably suitable for people that have got smaller balances, and by smaller balances, you know, it's always very hard when people will say, how much money do you need for a self-managed super? No one will come out and say, this is the number. Do you know something? I'll do that for you right now. If you've got less than $250,000, self-managed super probably is not the place for you when you look at the cost of running it versus um, what you're getting for your money. If you've got more than $250,000, you probably should be considering self-managed super on the basis if you're interested in learning more about managing it and you want the responsibility that goes with that. So there's a number, two hundred and fifty grand. You can search high low. Although on the internet no one's going to do it we play a very straight back here uh, there's no behind the curtain that's what the sort of default amount probably sits at a little bit more the better but 250 is probably the minimum for it okay so
1: talking specifically to those people in that camp ab who have a decent super balance and maybe are considering self-managed mm. super where do you go to get such advice in order to yep. do that and what are you actually doing
0: look i mean the online facilities for setting up now There. are Making decisions to save money is not a good idea. It's always good to save your costs where you can, but sometimes you get what you pay for. Uh, and I've seen a lot of problems where people have gone down the online pathway, and don't get me wrong, there are some very good providers in the online space um, where they go, oh, it's only cost me this to set up. It's, it's gonna cost me double that, for example, if I, if I go through uh, a financial advisor. But then they found that they don't have any insurance in play, for example, or, or there's a significant deficiency in, in what they're doing. It's not what they thought they would. So pay the money, get the advice. Remember, we're talking about a long term time horizon here. You're going to retire in 20, 30, 40 years' time. So whether you pay you know, 1,500 bucks or five grand to get your super set up, get it set up properly. Because if you amortize that five grand, let's say that's what it costs you, over the next 40 years, it's an inconsequential decision to have it set up in the right way. So I'd probably suggest full service for most people. You know If you're more sophisticated and you think I can do this myself. If you're more sophisticated, that's all the more reason to lean on professional advice, particularly if you've got a decent balance in your super. As I say the biggest deficiency I see when people try and do it on the cheap is they run into massive problems with their insurance. Massive, so don't get into that space um, uh, because it, the the consequences of it are vast. So, you know, seek professional advice again. Reach out to us. We've got a financial planning team. We can walk you through everything you need to. It's cost competitive, and you're going to be educated on what you're doing and why you're doing it. So, you know, that's that's going down the self managed pathway. Again, talking to a financial advisor. Again, we can help with this. And going down a retail super pathway can give you the hands off opportunity to be able to manage your super without the need to actually be doing the investment decisions. You just simply choosing which fund to allocate your money to. Got
1: you uh, there's an interesting pieces uh, interesting couple of pieces of comments in there from UAB. And I guess it's all the more reason to take control of your financial future is the lesson here.
0: It's your money, it's your future. You've got the most vested interest in doing a little bit of work now, whether that be down the self-managed pathway or going down a retail fund has got the potential to pay significant dividends down the track. And what you think you may be in versus what you may be in aren't necessarily the same thing. Uh, and Industry Super has had a great run for a long, long time being the default place for people to put their money in. again, to caveat this, how we started, it is an important place be because it means everyone has something in play. If you get the opportunity to move a little bit further along the line and learn a little bit more about investing and take your future uh, and retirement prospects a little bit more seriously, there are lots of other avenues that you can look at. And when you hear of being charged an additional fee to provision for any potential fines from a regulator for misconduct by the management, then you gotta ask yourself the question, is that really in your best interest? And I'm not so sure that's the case.
1: Well said, AB. Well explored here today. Industry fund, super risks. Um, Thank you very much
0: for your advice as always. My pleasure. Anytime. There you have it guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.